All right, welcome to the RGN podcast. This is our official first episode. Woo-hoo. And if you can insert some, you know, celebration sounds right there. <laughs> My name is Timothy, and I am your co-host for this particular episode of the RGN podcast. And we are so excited to have you listening in to this first episode. And we even have a special guest for you, but we'll do that in a bit. First, to introduce my co-host, or rather allow him to introduce himself to you. Go ahead, Mr. Co-host. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is T. I'm some call me T, some call me Mwangi. Uh, but we're really excited to just be getting into the first episode of the RGN podcast and, and just beginning to have some conversations around um, faith and work and, and what that means for us, um, especially in our context here in Nairobi. And so we're super excited to have a special guest. Um, uh, I get the chance to 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 have my wife Ooh. on our first ever episode. Yeah, um, it's been exciting for me working uh, not in a typical corporate setup, but having the chance on a day to day to to engage with someone who does. My wife, who has always been in, in the corporate space, and today we get a chance to grill her and see as a Christian in the corporate space, uh, what do some of these things mean, and what do we take out from some of the lessons she has had in her time so far. So let's allow her to introduce yourself. Hi, wife. And, and tell us your name and, and more. Oh, goodness. Hi, 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 Timo. <laughs> hi, T. So my name is Marion um, Jerry. Uh, I won't say the last name because it depends on whether it's legally or uh, recognized. Um, but as T mentioned, uh, yeah, my name is Marion. I am, maybe for the benefit of everyone else, I'm 31 years old. I've worked for almost 12 years now in corporate Kenya. Um, and I've been saved, I think, for maybe 13 years. So that's a bit, just maybe a year um, before I started working. I mean, I'm really excited to be on this podcast. Yeah, just discuss things that are very, 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 very dear to my heart. Karibu, Karibu. Um, one question for you. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy creating? So we recognize that, you know, we are here and put on this world by the creator. Mm-hmm. And so there's some creation that should be going on from <laughs> us, right? Do you agree with that statement, I Pastor agree, I agree. I and agree. what do you create? Could I be agree. anything. I mean, I have created children. So I think that <laughs> should be sufficient. I don't know why you're taking full in. Um, but I think, I do think I like creating conversations. Mm. Oh, I, I do think. I, I think I prefer the word sparking, but I do. I do think I enjoy um, creating a context where we can have interesting conversations, whether it's home or um, in my workplace. Yeah, especially conversations around faith and, and God. Mm. Oh. Cool, you're in the right place. Yes. Alright, back to you, <laughs> Mr. Cohen. So, um, Marion, um, allow for the sake of perhaps those who don't know you too well for us to start with where did your journey with with work begin you know um so many young people want to start big want to start in this amazing top job if you go to universities like the ones timo went to you promise that because you came from this university you will only end up with the best jobs in the world Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so what was your journey like how did work start for you um, well, that's a that's an interesting question. Only because I don't know if I ever, if if at my time I ever thought I had an option. My dad had made it very clear to us that the day you you finish your university education, he stops giving you pocket money. It was mm-hmm. categorical. He didn't. He didn't. There was no two ways about it. So, I actually started working before I finished university. I worked for 
um, which at that time, I think you guys know them. They're like a hardware, I think, tool yeah. store. Um, and I worked for them for I used, legit guys, legit. I was those promo chicks, but I was not the chicks on the roundabout. <laughs> I was like the high end version. I mean, no shit, to I, the uh, chicks on the roundabout. No, no, no shit, no shit, guys. I mean, you know, you do you. But um, I mean, I just I think I wasn't on the roundabout. I used to be now in the side center when they used to do expos. Mm. So they used to pay me 1,500 above a day, which was so I've never seen. That, that was high for back then. Even oh now, these guys are not yeah, paid that. Yeah, it's not paid that for those promotional jobs. I did that for about a month, and then they gave me a, a temporary contract for three months, so they give me a permanent contract. But they, they wanted me to come in and join them doing administration, which was on Mombasa Road. So I worked for them for only a month, and then I had to resign. Um, yeah, where, where did you live? <laughs> be weird I don't know how to describe <laughs> it I mean so small and, and bosses do weird things weird mm-hmm. things like I had made it very clear to them I'm still in university I need to be leaving like at three because Mombasa Road and I'm in your sayu you know mm-hmm. it was a crazy commute and they still make me feel a bit guilty but the weirdest thing was on Saturday he used to claim that the working hours were Monday to Saturday and I kid you know guys when I used to come on Saturday it was only me and him no. <laughs> only me and him in the office and then he used to insist on hugging and it was just something about the context that made me feel very uncomfortable mm. and at that time TMI were dating and he was just like you have your father's house it's not like you've been kicked out like you don't need to if you feel uncomfortable leave mm. um, and they were paying me 15,000 more by that time per month so I cut out my losses and I, and I resigned and then I got another job working for a PR agency that never paid me you know those companies that um, <laughs> we all know those companies oh come join me, 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 JD um, the first warning sign should have been the fact that the office was in his bedroom mm-hmm. and when they say in his bedroom what I legitimately <laughs> mean is he had a two bedroom house with his girlfriend and three employees mm. who used to come every day and there were dirty dishes she was walking around in her t-shirt and he never paid me a single cent for the entire year I worked there um, anyway, so I'd say that's how I started it. But then, obviously, after I graduated, I got my first official um, corporate job. Um, okay. So um, let's go into the first official corporate mm-hmm. one. Um, why did you join it? What were you hoping to get out of it? Money. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any other reason? You know, nowadays guys have deep reasons. No, that's you know, real. I change the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's money. I wanted money. I mean, uh, to be fair, what they would do. So it was a company, and it was actually run by a guy called Gerald Oino and Suzanne Semenya. They were really, honestly, they were really good bosses. And they were doing, they were trying to create an insights collaboration agency, which was basically advocacy marketing. What do you do today with influencers? But back in the day, in 2010, mm. when nobody even used to know influencer marketing. And so they were getting me on board to come and actually run advocacy programs for Cortex Kimfe, which I loved the Cortex brand. I loved what they were doing. So it aligned to a lot of the things I found exciting, but then they're also willing to pay me. So why not? So honestly, me going into that, I was just like, I want to learn. I want to do the best that I could possibly do in this job. I want to grow. And yeah, I want to earn my money. I want but to bear, you know. How, did you have a challenge considering, I mean, you had studied IR in an international university. IR, for those who don't know, is international relations in Kenya's like only international university. And then, so how did you feel going into mm, this whole new sector? I don't, I don't know. Again, I think it's so weird, but I, I don't know what it is about either how my parents communicated it. I don't know. But I never, I, I really wanted to work in IR. And even today, I still say I would love to work in international relations sector around um, policy and, mm-hmm. and governmental. I mean, I still think there's value in that. But I was very 
I don't know what, but there's something that in my mind told me, you know, exposure is exposure. Work is work. Like, if you get an opportunity, go try it. What if you love it? What if what if actually for real you didn't know about this career and there's no way to study this career and you love it? Um and even my parents were not picky about is it an IR agency? I think they knew also jobs are very difficult to get an NGO. So honestly, when they offered me the job, I mean, straight for I don't even graduated. Who's going to start saying, I saw my purpose, I saw what I studied. Um, yeah, so I honestly had no problem. My logic was, and even today, I think I tell people, your first degree is an exposure issue. It's not a, it's not meant to be a identity issue. So if you, if you go into it knowing I'm here to network, meet people, learn skills, then I think any job that you're offered that you find exciting, why not? Why not try? Okay, okay. Mm. And when you started this first job, this young girl out of uni, not having to turn back for months, mm. what was the journey for expectation versus reality, positively and negatively? What were the positive? What are the things you hoped, and then reality was just woo. And what are the things you were like? Hey, I've had things are bad, and these guys were super nice to mm. you. Um, what what was the journey like for expectations and reality? Mm. I mean, one of the expectations, obviously, I had was you know money, which was delivered. They always paid, and coming. Remember, coming from a year of not being paid, that was a big deal yeah. for me. Um, the second thing that was interesting is they fed us lunch, imagine. The way to my heart. All those employers employer. listening yeah, to this, please, please, in please. In Africa, just feed, feed your people. Your people. I think it does more than even pension. Honestly, mm. to I mean, from day to day in terms of how people feel, mm. and so they never used to pay hundred percent. Unless in the meal was two fifty, they'd pay half. We pay, but still, and it was a good meal. Um, things like that I value. They, they, they didn't ask us to dress formally ever, and it's all presenting. Mm. So again, I never had an issue of my dress code was awkward. Or they had an issue how I looked. Nobody cared. Um, and in terms of other expectations, so I, of course. I expected to grow and to learn and those happened but I did expect one of the ones that was not met is I did expect um, that your input equals output so what that means is if I'm putting in work that I believe is worth 100k I'm being paid worth 100k mm-hmm. you know um, and I remember I always give the story of how one time I found out that a colleague of mine was earning more than me and that colleague used to put in like half the hours I just felt like my whole worldview around work had been completely... I mean, I think I felt like... I mean, God, if I'm doing the best work that I'm doing, it's your job or your responsibility to cover my... Mm. You know, um, mm. in Africa, as we say, um, cover my diab. You know, in the sense that I, I, I shouldn't have to fight with my employer over my salary. Mm. I should trust that you are negotiating for that for me. So seeing that I was being underpaid in my view in comparison to the work I gave, I think was such a... What corporate is selfish? Like, it was the first time it hit me. They will use you pay you the least they need to pay you and I was not earning little I was earning 30k um, and I was content with the 30k but at least in that moment I remember feeling no they should they should have known I work harder they should have known my work was worth more and they should have been willingly actively proactively increase that salary for me so I think I think that for me was the hardest reality that the corporate is still selfish work is work you know um, even if you're a Christian boss at the end of the day you have a PNL. and then so if comes in asking for two G's and you're like we could have paid a hundred K who's about to start telling her um, that I think for me was the hardest with my first job for sure mm. I mean it, it's, it's interesting that you've got into just that space over some of the realities of corporate culture even here in Nairobi and I mean since that organization you've had the chance to move to about three four others since then uh, and in some of the places you've been in an agency you've had the chance to work with multiple organizations mm. because of the nature of how agency works how how do you describe Nairobi's work culture? If you are given, you know, two minutes to describe it to someone in 
the Philippines, what does Nairobi's work culture look like? How would you summarize mm. it? I mean, I would say, I think the thing with, there's two types, I would say there's two types of, of, of environments that create a culture. One is, is a startup culture. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a startup. And startup cultures tend to be very homely, tend to be very open, um, tend to be a lot more transparent, a lot more free, a creativity is valued. And they do small things like they feed you, you know, mm-hmm. some have like, you know, team activities or game nights. Um, like that's the first boss who took me to Lokenia and we did like rat race again to learn about how to manage money. Startup culture is very different. And that's because startup culture is heavily dependent on the owner, mm-hmm. the founder, and his personality comes through very well. Then you have structured corporate because that culture unfortunately is very little mm-hmm. and often um, if you're lucky enough to get into it if they pay you that's another prayer request but like IG was fantastic at that but then you have traditional corporate culture and that one is uh, oof I'd say is it can be it can be quite heartbreaking um, and that's because Kenyan corporate culture is com- a complete reflection of of how Kenyan Kenyans behave and what I mean by that is um, we don't say what we really want mm. you know we, we're a bit hypocritical in that sense. So even if you're a friend and you came to Kenya, people can smile and be like, I don't like that chick. Corporate is exactly the same. You can have colleagues you're working with who don't like you, or there's a weird sense, you can feel there's weird conversations happening around it, and we're not as upfront. Your boss will just come and say, I don't like the quality of work. Mm-hmm. But they'll tell other colleagues, and you know, people are having a conversation about your quality of work, but no one's willing to be upfront about it. Or the fact that Kenyan culture is we work hard, we drink. It's the same thing in corporate. You do a good job, your boss wants to buy you a, a beer. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong, but I mean, that's not the only way to reward, you know. It's almost like we re... If I don't say traditional corporate culture rewards you for sacrificing your life for it. Um, and I, and I, depending on, obviously, your, your socialization, it can either be something that you easily fit into or something that you'll struggle with because you have other areas of your life that you actually want to, to invest in. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think, I think that's how it's have you, have you seen this corporate culture change? I mean, you, you earlier told us how you've been working for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're 31, so you started at what age? But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you seen this corporate culture change either for the good or for the bad over the last, say, three, four years? I think it has for a larger thing gotten worse. And that's because, um, if I'm to explain, so you have to understand that in Kenya we have macro factors that are affecting what's happening in the country. Mm. Um, and by macro factors, I mean, one, you have a very tense political environment where promises are not met. And so people have a sense of, if I call it Kenyans, have a sense of mistrust. We just mistrust because politics has made us mistrust politicians, presidents, governors, senators. And therefore, even when I enter a corporate, I'm always slightly believing that you're trying to con me. Mm. And the corporate is always slightly believing that you're trying to con mm. them as well. And so there's just an area of mistrust already when you when you mm. enter in. And you know, mistrust is never a foundation you can build anything on. And then the second thing, ultimately, is the fact that in our economy in Kenya, um, <laughs> you could be the lowest title, but you figure out how to play the system and earn the most. And what I mean by this is uh, corruption. I mean, corruption exists both in political culture as well as in corporate culture. Um, I kid you not, and probably where I am now, which is are probably the only organizations where I've not seen corruption take place in terms of me or my boss or my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, but in every other organization I've been at, been in, there's always been someone trying to do an underhanded deal with somebody, mm-hmm. getting a kickback from somebody. And so already, remember, you have a mistrust issue. And then because people are living in a constant state of fear, they also grab whatever it is that they mm-hmm. can get. Um, 
And then the last one obviously is you have a social dilemma. And social dilemma, what I mean is because our culture prioritizes work over everything else, people are, are not believing a good quality of life. Your health is being compromised, you're not home with your family. And so what happens is you give in to addictions. Um, the number of corporates who have um, people who are struggling with alcoholism, struggling with drug abuse, struggling with infidelity where they have work husbands and work wives. And so imagine that's the culture you're entering in. Of course it's going to get worse. You're, if everybody is mistrusting each other, everybody's trying to steal or, or get their pocket into as much money as possible because they don't know how long this will last. And then everybody's trying to you know, vent out their frustration. Corporate culture, I feel, has gotten significantly worse. Mm. But I will say the difference, however, is now people also talking about it a lot more. Mm. So now I know spaces where people say, this is happening in my organization, this is what's going on, and I have a problem. Um, and so it's weird. I'd say it's getting worse, but at least I know there are certain contexts where, because people are aware, they're becoming more intentional about saying, um, if you dare try and steal, you know what I mean? You're out. Or our culture here is that people don't work past a certain hour. I'm, I'm beginning to feel there's some organizations becoming a lot more deliberate about that, though we're not as many um, back when I started working. Mm. I mean, so when you think about, like, what you say, people are beginning to have conversations about culture more and more. Are you hearing a Christian voice in the conversation about what corporate culture should be looking like? Are I, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are some of the people talking about it, Christians were deliberately thinking about how does my faith impact this culture space? Or is it just general conversations on culture by people who are fed up with the work culture? Um, yeah. I mean, I think the, again, you have to look at the macro factors of our culture as our people. So as I mentioned, we don't really address things head head on, you know. And so what I what I, I found in corporate um, is we had Christians who did a hey hey hey, <laughs> but like that's work. I have to survive. Yeah, me when I go home is when I'll vent about the things happening. When I go to church mm. is when I'll vent about it. But in the office, I'll just lay low because I'm here just trying to get a salary. That was actually the majority of the Christians I interacted with, and they were actually very stiff. Like we'd go for company events and the ones who don't touch alcohol, mm. you know, they'll do the things that will express to people um. In their view, will express some are Christian, but they don't actually anybody to see action from them around those things. Mm. And then I met Christians who were all about, you know, uh, before we start this meeting, I think I'd like us to pray. Mm. And you're like, oh okay. Or after a meeting, they leave the they, they leave having written a verse on the whiteboard. Are you <laughs> and you're like, I mean, you go, you go, yeah, you go, you. Um, there are others who every email, God bless you, oh the Lord Jesus bless you. you know, or a verse the in their signature. Yeah, they pick up the phone. Oh, did you wake up well? As the Lord bless you. Like, and you're like, I mean, I, and that's lovely. Um, that really is lovely. All those who received my email, God bless you. I no, really meant I mean, it. It's, <laughs> it's lovely. It's lovely, but I, I still feel like um. But you're an MD. There's more than there's just more telling guys to do. Yeah, you know, you're not like me. Uh, mm. And I remember this one time I asked a woman who had come to. We used to have some talks. As I worked in for a bit, and they used to have some talks with different people who come. And there's one time they brought a Muslim lady, I think a Buddhist, and, and a Christian. And I asked them, how do you incorporate? I literally asked her question, how do you incorporate faith into your workplace? Mm. Um, and she said, I don't think you sit on your desk and shout, but people will look at your actions and see that. You know, you're different. You know, you're not the one who's trying to steal. You're not the one mm. who's, you know, you're kind. And I was like, I mean, I get it. But you know, people who are raised in a good home are also... Yeah. In fact, some other religions have a higher sense of integrity right. than Christianity. And so I was like, is that it? Like, are you... This is a summation of 
I, I don't know. I, I really struggle with it. So I would say I've never, I've never had a church discuss it. I've never had a religious leader discuss it. But I've also had very few older Christian people actually unpack that for me. I do have one or two, but not not so much. Actually, when was the first time anyone ever? deliberately either in a forum or in a mm-hmm. session or one-on-one or in a pulpit engaged you on what it means to integrate your faith into your work i think it probably has to be saki so there's a lady called saki who leads um our bible study i don't even think she knows because she was talking to me around the fact that um how do i treat my nanny <clears throat> so i was i think i was expectant and so she's like we need to discuss you know your nanny because your nanny means you're not an employee she's an employee and for her it was i hope you you intend to pay her above the minimum or at least minimum wage mm. um and so you need to empower yourself with information about what the minimum wage is what does the law require you to do for her benefit the value of giving her a contract the value of, of stipulating the terms giving her annual leave and I remember that's the first time, and Saki's actually argument was that because as a Christian, you have a responsibility to uphold the law with regards to how you treat your employees first. Um, and so therefore, if you cannot afford to pay her minimum wage, then don't have her coming full time. I mean, she had very, well, not in a bad way, I had people telling me just be her AGs, you know, the Kenyans typically. She was the first one who said, no, what would God require of you? To, how does he want you to treat an employee of yours? Mm. Now, it wasn't a conversation about culture, but it was a conversation around how you treat the culture. You the integration employer. of your faith yeah. into if being you, an employer. If you, if you claim to be a Christian, just because she doesn't know the law, doesn't mean you manipulate her. In fact, you empower and tell her, you're owed 21 days, honey. Mm. And those 21 days do not include the Sunday I give you off mm. for the Saturday and Sunday. And so here's a contract. Tell me which days you want to take. And you, as an employer, abide by that. Not because she's ignorant, not because she doesn't deserve it, but because actually God says she does. Mm. Um, like recently, I remember I was telling T how my nanny goes home on, on, on weekends. And so when she comes on Monday, sometimes she'd find dishes. And the other day, I just felt like God asking me, you when you take leave, do you like coming back and finding work is waiting for mm. you in your desk? And I was like, oh my goodness, no. And Saki really helped me ask, how would you want yourself to be treated in our workplace? That's how you treat her. Mm. So she's probably the first person who hinted around the work space. Um, and then I think that began sparking it. I probably uh, listened to like Andy Sunny talk about a few sermons once in a while. Mm. Um, and then when he said working in, in church, uh, because I found, actually ironically, maybe I'll say this, I found the church culture a bit more toxic in, to some extent as opposed to corporate. And so we began having a discussion about why is this the same? Why is church culture not mm. counter mm. corporate culture? And I think that's when I really began to feel like even the people around me, my boss, we began having those conversations around what kind of culture do we want to create? Because it is us to create it, you know? Um, so I think Saki is probably the first first to so, spark the thought. So before all this time, before this time when you just began thinking about culture, mm-hmm. began realizing there's something more you should be doing, began being encouraged by the stories like you're having with Saki, what were, what was your view of what you were there to do as a Christian in those organizations? Oh, to be the best oh my goodness I still think that be the best strategist or the best cleaner or the best marketer i could possibly be in fact for me it was i want mungu to feel like the job mm. that, that chick who's like the kind the, the president of you know armref or whatever it is mm. yep 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 she's a christian like for me it was i actually found a sense of pride in knowing that my work was excellent mm. that i was reliable that people found me pleasant to work with and so I did have an understanding that, that certain values or characteristics mm. of of Christians need to be mm. embodied. And so God is an excellent worker. He didn't create birds that fly backwards. You know what I mean? He, that would have been cool though. Uh, and maybe they could, <laughs> but what I mean is he deliberately knew I wanted them to go forwards yeah. and he made them going forwards. Yeah. He didn't make a mistake with us. He strategized, he planned, he did different things different days, he rested. So for me it was, if God is excellent and God values 
balance, mm. you know, between work and, and life. He values rest. He values community. Why wouldn't I value the same things in corporates? So I was very clear on that, but that's because, um, and I do have to say, that's because I think when I, when I had to move, which... Um, I remember when I wanted to move, I got a lot of people just saying that culture is to move to or from. Um, I was in at the time. I was moving to. I mean, people just kept saying you're gonna hate it there. They're gonna take your life away. You're not gonna have a marriage. You're not gonna have a chance to have children just because the culture is so toxic. And I really had to sit down and ask myself, then where am I going? You know. Um, and that's the first time I think I wrote down and I'm like, no, these are the things that God requires I do, whether or not I'm in a toxic environment. So this is what we're going to aim to to do. Um, yeah, so for me, it was working excellently, be, being easy to work with, um, uh, having people in the workplace just admire the way you're bringing things. Like, allow them to see how God made such a great brain. Like, okay. you know. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, I mean, you've, you've told us about... Um, just the journey of how you began being sensitized about faith and work. So ever since you began engaging with it a bit more deliberately, having more deliberate conversations, being more conscious about it, learning more about it, about what it means to be a Christian, in whatever space you're in, whether corporate or not, um, how has that affected some of the decisions you've made within work? Um, how has that affected some of the things you're doing where you're working or your outlook? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, just how that affected your work life? I mean, I would say probably before I used to be very arrogant in the sense that I believe that culture is a responsibility of my boss or my company. Mm. But I openly say I do not work for companies with horrible culture. <laughs> um, and I still do believe that you do have a choice to make. However, I am more clear now that I am fully empowered and capable of creating a culture of my own. Mm. The only difference is because I'm not an MD, my locus of control, the culture I create is going to be much more smaller because it's the one that I can affect. If you're an MD, you have a larger locus of control so you can affect a wider span of, of the culture in your organization. But now I'm like, no, 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 no. So everybody in this organization can believe that we talk to each other the way we want. But I could decide that actually, um, whenever I give you a job, I don't give you jobs on Fridays because I respect your weekends. I'll only give you jobs Monday or Thursday, or I'll try and do it in the morning so that you have time. I can decide to create a culture around my workplace so that everybody who's around me knows that when you work with Marion, these are the values that she values. And it's, it's good to work with her because of the kind of culture that she's actually created. So now I know, like even when I moved, one of the big reasons why I moved to was when I spoke to my to my current boss, I told her, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to do strategy. I mean, strategy is something I do. And she said, yeah, but you said you're passionate about, you hate the culture of where you are. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, then come and create the one you want. And I was like, that's it. It's it's a space to say, why do people work late? Can we investigate why people are not going home? Or why are we paying people so little? What's the, what's the, what's the dynamic there? What, what's, what's the reason why people are unable to sustain the live livelihood from that? Or... We have single mothers in the workplace. They obviously can't have the same terms as people who are two parents in a home in terms of going home and working hours. So how do we rework that? So it's just being very intentional about if it's disturbing me, my spirit is telling me this is making me uncomfortable, then let's let's investigate what then can I do in my locus of control um, or talking to the MD or whoever it is I have access to to actually change the culture Mm. for that particular person, for this particular um, situation. Mm, 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 mm. And so, I mean, why, why do you think it's a big deal for anyone listening, a professional in any space, um, to bother if they're a Christian with this conversation of faith and work integration? Why is it a big deal? Why, why do you think it's necessary for them to actually engage in it, investigate, learn more? Yeah. I mean, one because we were created to work. 
work is such an integral part of identity. In fact, I feel like we've been telling people for years, work is integral identity. Unfortunately, it is. We were actually created with a big part of it being work. God worked. We are created in his image. Therefore, we work. And therefore, if we as Christians believe that we are here to restore creation back to its intended purpose, we have a responsibility to... Um, to uplift work to the same level God would have wanted. I mean, for me, that's a, it's a literal no-brainer. So, if I don't like, let's not even overthink it. If you have a watchman in your house, in, a, in an ideal scenario where you're all in heaven and he was a watchman, how do you think God would have treated him? Mm. You know what I mean? Isn't that what you're meant to be restoring back to that standard? Or if you're in a company and you have suppliers, like now, for example, the other day I was saying, we all know influencers in this country um, earn money through influencing, yet we pay them after 60 days. How do you expect those people to feed their family? They're not an organization, it's an individual. In an ideal scenario, wouldn't God be concerned about their family being able to eat? So for me, it's, if you don't have a responsibility to restore creation, then who's supposed to do it? It can't be people who don't believe in the creator. It can't mm. be people who don't see the value of a world that works. So any Christian anywhere must ask themselves, if this was the Garden of Eden and we didn't have sin, how would this scenario have been? Mm. And it is my responsibility to join God in the work he's doing to actually restore it. So mm. every Christian, every single Christian definitely needs to ask himself, are they joining God in that purpose or not? Mm. 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 Okay. So let's assume I listen to this now mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes, okay, I am joining. Where do I start? How do I start figuring out what to do? How to? Is there material I can look at? Like, what do I, where, where do I even start? Because the truth is, as you said, you would be a Christian for quite a number of years. You'd attended churches, different forums. You'd worked with Christians, non-Christians, etc. But there's one person who engaged you about what it means to be mm-hmm. a Christian in the So even if we tell people this now, there's probably no one around them who even knows what it means to integrate mm-hmm. their faith. So where does where does someone start? I mean, honestly, I mean, there's, there's a lot of it to be honest. There's a lot of resources online. I'll just say that up front. Mm. There is, I think that in today's day and age, there's no excuse for not having somewhere to engage. Mm. There's forums, there's groups, there's churches are global. With uh, working from home, you can be in a church in the US and you're here. Mm. Um, so I think to be fair, I think the problem is we have to think outside of our Kenyan culture. Sometimes you can't look for the answer in a culture that's eating itself. You have to look at, for the answer in a culture that has created a way or has an option. Um, and another example is, and I mean, if I talk about Resource Global, because that's where <laughs> T and Timor work, um, but it's not what Resource Global is. Mm. It's the, they, they, they have, this question has disturbed them enough for them to say, how do we empower Christians who are in corporate and in cities where the, the pulse of the city exists in the main, in the capital city, the pulse of the country, and how do we empower those people, those Christians to better impact the work culture, the corporate culture in, the, in their countries. And the logic being that if you imagine if you had MDs who were actually integrating faith and work, how much more prosperous our businesses would be, how much more prosperous our cities would be and our countries would be. And that's Resource Global's logic. And I mean, if, if anybody, if you don't know, um, Resource Global does, does a cohort training, which is basically like a program for about, what, six months, mm-hmm. 12 months, where you actually go through this process of helping you unpack understanding of purpose and worldview and unpacking this this stereotypes of cultures you've probably grown up in and just seeing how to join God in that work. Um, and I think what's really fantastic is you also get to work with somebody in an industry that's similar to yours, so that you're not just being told, you're actually getting to see it firsthand. I've done it and you could do it as well. Um, and so I'd say, so step one, if you're interested, read. 
Google, Google, just search, searching, typing. Look for Marion on Instagram. I'll always be happy to answer questions. Look for T, look for Timor. Um, look for Resource Global. Um, and I think Resource Global KE, if you want to join a cohort, if you want to join the program and, and just be part of the journey of figuring it out. Um, I would say for sure, do it now. I would say don't don't simmer in the thought that you'd like to do it. Do it now. When your spirit is, is probing you and telling you this is an area that's disturbing us, do it. Um, and I kid you not, you can wake up every day and you could be being paid the least or you could hate your company, you could hate the working conditions, but there's something different about the day when you crack what God is trying to do in this workplace and you finally see it, that just makes waking up a lot more easier. And so for me, it is we can't be spending that much time in companies we don't like, in jobs we don't like, six, five days a week, and we're, and we're not concerned that we are unable to see what God actually wants us to do there. Um, so yeah, so you can look for Resource Global KE and, and join a cohort or maybe just sit and ask some questions. Um, they have a couple of resources, really interesting things that you could, you know, probably benefit from. Fantastic. Thank you for the plug, Maria. Um, and for our listeners, if you go to the show notes or the podcast episode description, we'll definitely have some resources linked, including Marion's Instagram. It's fire. Believe me, I was there just yesterday. We're watching all her IGTV videos. So please make sure um, you visit her over there. And thank her for, for coming to the IGN podcast and being our first guest. We'll also post the link to the Resource Global Nairobi website um, just so you can get to know us um, and get to know what we do and ask us questions and interact with the different material we have on this subject of faith and work. All right, T, you want to close us out? Uh, thanks thanks for coming, Marian. Um, it's an exciting start. want to ask all of you, I mean, subscribe if it's subscribe, whatever platform you're using, um, subscribe ensure you're able to catch our next episodes because we're going to be having many more people within this workspace coming to talk to us um, and us asking them and engaging with them about what this journey looks like um, so if you ask yourself what do I do one option is to stay tuned so that you can keep listening and, and learning more about how you can genuinely integrate your faith um, yeah so thanks thank you guys that's it for this week on the RGN podcast see you on the next one